Welcome to the Filmsteins, the double feature podcast. Join us as we unravel the interwoven experience of the continuous conversation of cinema. Take part in pairing movies with their cursed counterparts, movies that share DNA or even pairing questionable duos by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash We offer tiers at the $1, $5, and $20 level. For the $5 tier, we grant the ability to request films to further the discussion. So grab some popcorn, sit back, and get ready to join the 100-year conversation. This is the Filmsteins, where movies are more than just entertainment there. An experience. And welcome back to another episode of the Film Assign. Thank you guys for joining us today. I'm joined today by my 619 kind of friend, Lucy. What did you call me? You can join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for brand new episodes of the Film Assign. Some recent episodes include Killers of the Flower Moon, American Fiction, Monster, Bottoms, and Earth Mama. Go check those out. Great episodes. All of them. Remember to leave nice comments, thoughts, and ideas over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash Come support us. Come subscribe. Come request a movie. Thank you guys for all your support. Are you stressed and filled with anxiety like I am? Maybe in a bit of pain from that car accident you had a few years ago? Well, the sponsor of today's episode, Hempville CBD, has us covered. They have the highest quality products created by chemists and doctors. Hempville carries everything from CBD to THC dispensary grade without those despicable dispensary prices. Order your Delta 8, 9, edibles, and vapes along with the THCA flower and get free shipping when you spend $50 or more at HempvilleCBD.com. Check out the link in the description for more details. But today we're discussing... Sean Durkin's 2023 film, The Iron Claw. I wanted to start off by saying that this was one of maybe three movies that I really was excited to see in 2023. Probably Bo's Afraid, this, and something else I can't remember. And I hate to report back that this movie is not great. It's okay. It's a beautifully made film. Great production. Has some great moments. But it just didn't speak to me very much at all and I think it has some problems that we will discuss here today and I like wrestling and you don't have a big history with wrestling right no not whatsoever so I'm very curious how you took this movie what do you think of this yeah I knew nothing about this movie whatsoever besides uh Zach Efron's funny little haircut that I saw in a trailer very briefly one time with Jeremy Allen White And Harris Dickinson and, you know, their little funny haircuts. But that's it. I didn't know it was a wrestling movie. I didn't know anything. I just knew that mainly uh, Zac Efron and Jeremy Allen White were in this movie. And they were buff as fuck. And they had weird ass haircuts. I didn't know when it took place. I didn't know it was about wrestling. I didn't know anything. Which now explains why they got buff as fuck. But I didn't know that. I was just in for a ride. Wondering what they could possibly be playing like that and watching the movie I well I guess after the movie I wanted to like this movie more than I actually did I mean you have two really great actors and right now with Jeremy Allen starting in The Bear I'm I'm anxious I'm waiting to see what he's gonna do next especially after Shameless too I mean he's he's amazing I love him in both shows he's my favorite character in both shows so you have two great performers and of course the uh, the rest of the cast I mean they weren't too bad as, except maybe the two ladies here uh were not so great but it was also a biopic and I'm a big biopic person I I don't care what it's about you could be wrestling you could be you know inventing cheetos you could be I don't know, doing drugs, whatever. I don't care what the biopic is about. I love a good biopic film. So I was a little disappointed that this wasn't as good as I was hoping it was. I totally agree to a lot of what you just said, especially with Jeremy White. Man, he's going to have quite the filmography in the years to come. Because even this is not a sore spot as far as performance goes. I think he's a little underutilized. Yes, agreed. I also think Zac Efron's a little underutilized here. He's got something under the hood that's having a hard time coming out because he's just not working with the right folks yet. Sean Durkin's not it. <laughs> he needs a 
I'm curious what's about to come out of your mouth next. He needs the guy who did Pig when he is Zac Efron version of Pig. Yes. You know, just that director. Yes. I can't remember his name. His name Michael something. I'm not sure. There was a lot missing here. We seem to forget the individual kind of characters and personalities. Everyone started to become just a singular caricature of themselves. Because I feel like the movie started off really strong with introducing Kevin, of course, and his relationship with his brothers and this, you know, dictator of a dad, his start with Pam. I think arguably the best scene was probably with Kevin and Pam when they first met at the diner. It definitely gave the most kind of context of where Kevin's mind is at. And I've never heard someone explain wrestling in such a like romantic poetic kind of way because we we all feel that you know us wrestling fans you know because i think wrestling does tend to be one of those funny sports that you grow out of for a lot of people not everyone of course or ebb and flow through it you know you don't it doesn't speak to people quite like football where it's sort of a religion quite on the same scale i should say i think there's a little bit more of an ebb and flow with wrestling fandom and i think that's very easily traceable because there's different errors in wrestling whether that's like the attitude error or your degeneration x error or your john cena error or your different shows like tna and wwe so there's just it's different than something like football or soccer i think but it's one of these funny things where people who don't get wrestling they you know they jump to well it's fake it's scripted they're not fighting each other no one's pretending they are. You know, it's this performative thing. So I've never heard someone on or off screen describe wrestling in such a way. You know, because we all kind of feel it because we always hope for our superstar to become huge on their brand, right? So I thought that was a very powerful scene. I'm trying to put it in the context of this being their first like date. It makes it feel kind of weird. I like the scene a lot, but it feels like these people should already have a little history together. Not living with each other or whatever, you know, knowing each other for years kind of thing. But it feels a little fast, like a lot of this movie. But as soon as we kind of establish all of these relationships, we forget there's like more to people than than what's presented. And then not to mention, there's some characters who are just completely, almost completely forgotten, like the mom and Mikey. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. The introduction is so strong here with the dad, the kids, and then, you know, giving us Kevin's perspective and point of view and his family. I mean, the dad's introduction to his personality is awesome. I mean, here they are at the breakfast table and the dad is like, okay, you know, Carrie's my favorite, then Kevin, then blah, 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 then Mikey but it can all change. And you're like, who the fuck says that? What, what parent actually has a list in order and then has the audacity to say, but it can all change to so fucking fight for it. Which is that, I mean, full stop. That's probably the dad's best bit right yes. there. And it, it sucks. Cause in retrospect, you're just like, there was like unlimited potential. in those two or three lines, you know, I was like, who, who's Carrie, you know, who is mm -hmm. this Carrie character? Who yeah, who who are these? Why are they like that? Yeah, definitely. And the first date that Pam and Kevin have, I, I kinda liked it. It did feel a little like I mean, like you said, they're talking about these things already so fast, but I kinda like that because it helped put Kevin in this space of he doesn't get out much. He doesn't know really how to talk to people, let alone girls. You know, he's all about his family, his brothers, his training. So having this outside interaction with somebody else that's not in his immediate life is probably a weird situation for him. So, you know, I I, I felt a little bit of that maybe ramblingness, big topic conversation as he doesn't really talk to people and he just wants to get to know this person right away so i kind of like that i'm not sure when i felt that the film started losing a lot of what it was trying to say 
maybe after they get married is when I'm pinpointing it. <laughs> I was going to say as soon as Carrie gets in the picture. Oh, okay. Okay. Like when he comes back after the Olympics get canceled. Yeah. The wedding scene is, I think, one of the stronger sections of the movie. That's my favorite part, the wedding scene. And I dare say, even in some of the weaker parts of the movie, I think all of the sections where we have this, you know, brotherhood banter and stuff, it's really good. It reminds me of, you know, Little Women where we have this unique kind of chemistry between these characters that's really fun to watch. Yeah. And I'm totally on board with the, you know, the kind of family expectation, the dad's expectation of these boys. And when they're together, it works. You know, I don't want to see these boys suffer and they're all suffering in different ways at the same time for the same reason. But individually, they never really seem to give enough of anything for the most part. There are some sections, of course. Like that one scene where right after when David dies and they're outside on the porch, you know, the dad and the boys and the dad's like, all right, who's going to replace David, basically? And Kevin and Carrie are kind of arguing over it. And it's just not good. Like, it's just it feels totally unearned for both of them. Like, I haven't seen anything from Carrie. First of all, I don't know why I'm supposed to be thinking that he's up for it yeah Yeah. like i don't i don't even know who carrie is you know and kevin's kind of a bitch and clearly it's like he's clearly manipulated by his dad and doesn't want this i'm kind of getting this feeling of kevin is just this this better form of his dad i just don't get a sense of kevin at all in this it is just this echo of his dad in him and for him to be so, I don't know, obsessed with the curse or whatever, I, f- I have a hard time even saying that. But he does kind of focus on it, at least in the movie, enough times where I'm like, all right, this is obviously living rent-free in Kevin. He doesn't seem to think too much for himself to like worry about things like that. You know, there's just like a weird imbalance where he's completely motivated by his dad because he is forced to more or less, but he worries about stuff. I don't know. Like, I feel like he should, if he's going to be his dad, he just needs to commit to being his dad. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. If he's all obsessed with stepping into his dad's shoes and fulfilling his dad's dream of bringing home the trophy, the belt, I don't know what you call it, the wrestling title, then it would seem something so silly as a curse wouldn't stop him. But... Then again, he is a victim to his dad's abuse. So maybe that's what we're feeling there. And it wasn't written in a cohesive way to let us know that Kevin is struggling with this. And he's actually really fucking scared about the curse. and But still is in this abusive relationship with his dad that he can't break out of that. But the curse frightens him so much. Especially after having a wife and kid. You know, it's... It it almost seems like for people, at least on TV, for people that now have someone to look after, they they start caring more about things happening to themselves. Sure. And because of how the movie kind of lays itself out with Kevin narrating a little bit and everything, you'd think we'd see a little bit more of what's happening inside Kevin. You know, it would be less of ultimately the family problem of the curse and his brother's dying and this dream that they have this collective dream and more of the weight of it all kind of like society of the snow where it's hard to tell a story this big you know this is a big ass story i know even sean felt like he needed to cut one of the brothers out of the story which is crazy because if you're going to focus on the family I feel like that's sort of an essential part of the story. Especially if you're going to call yourself a biopic, you need to at least include the fam. Yeah, and I think he should have. I feel like that's the only obvious route to go if you want to, you know, go the biopic kind of naturalistic, you know, factual route. For the most part, I guess, minus these ethereal 
heaven like things that happen on the back end <laughs> which are they're fine this little a24 flavor coming out right understanding the the box of making a movie tv show whatever or you know is essential to any craft right your 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 limitations are not always so apparent especially when you're in the the throw of it but need to be understood intimately and knowing there's just no possible way to run through what 10-ish years of really chaotic stuff happening and a at a chaotic kind of time in wrestling history in two and a half hours it's it's going to come with some problems and so you need to kind of focus in a little bit you can get a lot of that told tangentially especially if you are already familiar with the history which we are forced to kind of deal with anyways because sean durkin obviously expects us to have done our homework a little bit because there's a lot of missing parts so you might as well make it much more intimate and just keep us trapped in kevin and make us devastated when everyone dies you know i i hate to say that the losses here didn't kill me like they should have they didn't break my heart like they should have i mean these are really awful things to happen to these to these young boys i mean suicide is one of the worst things that us as humans can do to ourselves and it's always such a sad story when someone feel like that's how they need to end everything that's how they need to solve their problems that's so sad and this movie didn't didn't pull at my heartstrings there i mean i wanted like this intense shot of jeremy allen white as he's like about to pull the trigger or maybe him stealing the gun i don't know just something to trigger me that triggered him or some really intense nightmare from kevin you know him finding carrie's body maybe we never see kevin maybe maybe we never see carrie you know behind the tree or whatever and when it happens but maybe later that night or weeks by Kevin's dreaming about it and it's something and it's a it's a sort of insinuated version of finding his body you know kind of thing or even hearing the gunshot you know some kind of way to make it super shocking and haunting you know because I'm sure that was not pleasant to find you know yeah. or to, to hear and find yeah especially I mean that would make so much sense in this movie especially it trying to embrace these curse elements a nightmare would go great. I mean, just, you know, maybe throw in a something that represents death, like, you know, in those dream books you find or I don't know, <laughs> just something like that. Maybe not so quite as cheesy as I'm saying, but that would be great. Yeah. And the whole time you're like, what, what, what happened? Did it happen? Oh, my God. Make us feel some of the trauma. Make it feel like that Kevin's living hell on earth, you know, because then we can balance that with exactly bookending when the brothers come together in the afterlife, you know, that can make that feel kind of bittersweet, but instead it feels a little jarring because we're trying to parallel that with them hanging out, you know, in the real world, having a good time, getting shouted out by friends or something. And then we see that same pond dock area at the end. And it's just, that's weird. It's like there, yeah, there was, there's nothing other than the location. There's no, importance to this place right it's bizarre it's a little manipulative in that this was i guess a place where they had good times that's fine and all and then this is where they meet in the afterlife when there wasn't any real cinematic setup or resonance for us to even care because i liked the scenes where the brothers were together but those are the kind of bookend moments of their energy just bursting out you know there's not a lot of details there as far as who they are to one another right like the one right in between the wedding where david's throwing up and kevin they have a moment and stuff but it immediately becomes i don't know like meaningless because it just becomes well i hope you do great in japan dude you're i don't know it's like these guys aren't idiots i'm assuming he's throwing up blood 24 hours later he fucking dies from whatever in the hot in the hotel it's like this is 
oh, it's just this could have been a moment. It almost was a moment, and then it became, I hope you do good in Japan. You know what I mean? And then they have explosive moments all together and on the wedding floor and stuff, and it's just like, but I wish we could balance that explosive, you know, innocence, boyishness with the expectation and trauma and neglect that they get collectively from home and stuff. Like, I wish there just wasn't enough or much character at all between these guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I completely agree with you. Like, the individual dynamics are missing because it almost felt like we had something when Carrie is learning to fight again, to wrestle again, while he has a missing leg. And they're in the ring and it's right before Michael is about to run off in the woods and die. And there could have been a moment there. I thought there was going to be a moment there between Carrie and Kevin. It was just like the bathroom scene. Yes. Where we had this initiation. Like Kevin's about to show him that whatever his dad wants is not what's going to happen. It's not what needs to happen. And it's a great parallel after just having had that conference whatever it's called with michael after he recovered from his coma and then michael being forced to say like i will be back on the ring and that they could have made that a parallel now talking to carrie about it and and making us see that carrie's also struggling with this michael doesn't want it carrie doesn't want it kevin doesn't want it but it was just so lame it was such a missed opportunity. Yeah. And I mean, I dare say, did they not want it? Or did they want it? Because, I mean, they were pro wrestlers. They all had careers. You've got to be, you know, very passionate and dedicated to the craft. So, like, I don't know. I'm not even sure if they actually wanted it, which I feel like is a fundamental problem to the pursuit to begin with. You know? Yeah. Well... I think definitely Michael didn't want it. He wanted a musical yes, career. Yes, that was very clear. And then... That's all he was. He was just an instrument. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and I don't think Carrie wanted it because Carrie chose the Olympic path. And the only reason he started training again was because his dad said, Carrie, now that you're not doing the Olympics, what about wrestling? And he's like, sure, dad, of course. Anything to please you. So that wasn't even in Carrie's career path like it was Kevin's and David's. And we should have gotten some kind of, I don't know, just chaotic response from from Kevin internally at the very least. It doesn't need to be outward and at his dad or Carrie or whoever. Just like, God damn it, Carrie, I'm doing this, you know? This is my thing. Yeah. And you can love your brother and do that still. I, so it's just like, you're obviously butthurt. Yeah. You know, but show me that. Or you should be, obviously, but her. I mean, I, I think Zac Efron did a great performance, though. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I just feel like there's, like, one or two minutes missing in every single scene, you know? We're just missing a third or a fourth of this movie. No, I definitely agree. And back to what you said a little bit earlier, I was reading that he completely took out a brother. Apparently, that brother's name is Chris. And he was the youngest brother. Completely took him out. What? What? Who does that? It's, that's a bizarre ass decision. And apparently it was because his role was so similar to one of the other brothers that, you know, he, he also killed himself. He also committed suicide that he felt like he could group that in. I mean, that's weird. That's kind of weird. Yeah, that's I hate to say it, but that is freshman cinema 101 kind of storytelling when you have this redundant character in a freshman 101 cinema class right you need to consolidate your redundancies you need to figure out why they're redundant and what makes them you know unique from one another and then figure out the optimal path to take you know that's that's kind of just your foundation for storytelling that's your academic so-called academic manufactured form of storytelling but when you're telling a real story when you're pushing cinematic boundaries of course you should be aware of redundancies right you don't want actual redundancies but these two people were two different people these are very real people yes they were real people this is a movie 
about brotherhood. This is a biopic. And this is also a movie about how cursed this family is. Yeah. So what if it's another suicide? Throw them in. That you looks can, even creepier. Yes. You cannot run that curse home hard enough. You need to overstate the fuck out of that curse. All right? Yes. Especially an A24 movie. You need to, you need to hone in on that ethereal, deeply character thing. You know, it's fundamentally important to this story yeah <laughs> that yeah. was that's a massive mistake yes that he made yes or someone along the lines yeah and i guess if you don't know you don't know but at this point it's getting out that you completely missed a brother especially the story it's the von eric family that's i mean supposedly really important to wrestling at this point so you you can't just forget a brother it's like doing a biopic of the Kardashians and not including, <laughs> I don't know, Kendall. I don't know. Or I guess at this point, it's a little bit like that, actually, now that I say that, because everyone's so shocked when you find out that there's a boy Kardashian, Rob, and people are like, what? They have a brother? So that's kind of funny. But you, he's, he's there. He's still in the show. He's not completely taken out. So, yeah, massive mistake. I hate to say it, but I think Sean couldn't figure out how to write Carrie. So he especially couldn't figure out how to write that character who was going to have a similar path as Carrie. Because I think Carrie was the most underwritten character. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But you find a way to make it work. You just don't take it out. It's like a question on a multiple choice test. (laughs) And you're like, well, I don't know this one, so I'm going to take it out. Like, no, you, you figure out a way to answer everything. I heard, I'm not sure how true this is, but I heard... He didn't want to include Chris because he wanted the story to be more believable and less shocking. And Why does that matter? That is the best question you could ask. Why does that matter? You're, you obviously chose to tell this story in a fictionalized biopic yes. way. Yes. So you chose to have complete freedom to do whatever yes. the hell you wanted. You didn't do a documentary for a reason. Yes. This is not fact. This is fiction. Yes. This is a movie. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's the lamest excuse I've ever heard. Yeah. I don't know how true that is. I don't know if that came out of Sean's mouth. I just saw it floating around. Oh man. On the internet. Well, hopefully that's not true. Hopefully he didn't say that because that's embarrassing. I hate to be a little hyperbolic, but I think this is probably my biggest disappointment from the 2023 this was your biggest disappointment 2023 yeah i had high 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 hopes for this i thought it was going to transcend the biopic thing kind of like ford versus ferrari i must say (laughs) i think that's a phenomenal movie i was thinking flaming hot i I think flaming hot is on a similar level as this i don't think it's like cinematically all that interesting other than the factory and Flamin' Hot, it's like really clean and interesting. It's like weird. <laughs> and there's some fun moments in that, of course. But I thought this movie was going to kind of transcend that that sports biopic thing that we get every year. And I feel like it's just one of many at the end of the day, which is unfortunate because we don't get a lot of wrestling movies. And I like wrestling. Yeah, we get a lot of um, celebrity or singers, but wrestling definitely is low on the totem pole. We just got a Bob Marley biopic movie. Ooh. Apparently, it's really bad. Ah, dang. (laughs) You know, and like two years ago, we got the big Elvis movie, right? I love that movie. The movie's okay. The movie's good. It's better than this. I like the perspective of it. Do you think the dad was villainized enough here? No. And should he have been? It's a good question because it's a funny form of neglect, right? Mm-hmm. and obviously a toxic way of like expressing your love for a child yeah and expressing your dreams not going mm-hmm. the way you wanted them to the only villainizing that should have happened was you know out of kevin because we should have had this singular perspective but it should have been this balance of him idolizing him because he is kind of the budded offspring of his dad more or less but also resenting and despising him especially because he's never the favorite 
when he definitely kind of puts the most work in, as far as we can tell. Yep. So there should be this balance of him villainizing him and idolizing him. And and it definitely shouldn't come from like his actions, the dad's actions. But that's mostly missed. Yeah, it's not... I just don't I don't have enough to really say when we're one way or the other if I would have liked it more if he was just a more of a dick or what. Yeah, I I had a problem with the scene where Kevin chokes him and is about to kill him. I mean, I I understand that he's so upset seeing his brother killing himself. I mean, yeah, obviously. But it just I don't know. It it felt like it came out of nowhere. Not a lot of setup. Yeah, it wasn't a lot of setup with the way we should have been feeling about his dad the whole time. Obviously, his dad's a dick, but we know that as the audience. Does Kevin know that? Does Kevin know that enough to want to kill him? Yeah, it was totally out of left field. Totally. It's like you, you knew this about your dad the whole time and you never stood up to him. You never had these thoughts about him. So what? That was one of those instances where I was like, well, I guess I'm supposed to know about the history of the Von Erich family like in real time. Like I'm supposed to do my homework or have lived it. And I'm just like, well, that's sort of defeats the purpose of the movie. Yes. And if you're making choices like cutting out a whole entire brother, how are we supposed to trust you now? that this is what happened or that this is how the Von Eriks are feeling. So there was just something there for me and the dad that I just didn't like. And and you're right. This should have been more focused on Kevin and Kevin's thoughts and Kevin's feelings. So we should have gotten more of a villainized father from Kevin's point of view. Maybe even have some disagreement between the brothers about how they feel about their dad. Ooh, you know, that would have been good. How do you feel about this mom? If uh, if you can call her a mom. This this is the worst mom in cinema. I don't know if, if that's that's fair for me to say. But after watching this, I mean, did they not know how to write her? Or was she just really this absent mom that didn't give a fuck? I mean, we have this scene where Kevin's trying to approach her and tell her like hey dad's being a little too rough on michael can you say something please and he should have added before michael fucking kills himself yeah more like absent-minded was there a thought in that mom's head could she use her fucking mouth for once yes you know yes i get that you have this asshole of a husband like but can you give us something i don't know fear crying like anything yes and then we have this other scene where michael's like hey i'm gonna go play at a party or where whatever and she's like you're not going it's like what now you're stern now you have a say so in these boys upbringing what so i don't i don't know i didn't like the mom it wasn't like that it was a bad performance she just wasn't <laughs> written well or if she was meant to be this absent parent then she did a great job yeah i I don't every time she was on screen and would have some kind of response performance i'd always just be like what like what is what is this character i don't know i don't know yeah definitely agreed and the scene where she's about to go to is it Carrie's funeral? The second is that the second funeral we have here that she's about to go to and she has to put on this dress again and she kind of has these feelings of what will everyone say if I wear this dress twice? That seemed a little silly to me. I don't I I don't know if it was she's so hurt and so traumatized by losing a child that, you know, not everything's clicking in your brain and you know cuz I I get that. I get experiencing loss and not fully thinking what you're saying and how something could just be so silly right then and there or was she this bad of a mom that that was her main concern at this time like i don't know it was just weird yeah and that was her big piece that was her moment in this movie it's <laughs> yeah. like what the fuck is happening yeah i did not like that character at all just from a performative written piece it was it was just not good on sean's part Yes. I'm not sure who she is, but she did. She obviously did what she was asked. What she was told to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so 
I don't know. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen a Sean Durkin film before this. And I'm gonna have to say I'm not a fan of his characters based off of this. This bums me out. It bums me out. I know it bums me out too because I mean, like I said, I'm a big Zac Efron fan. Ever yeah. since I was little to now, I love everything he does. He's you got know, crazy potential. Yes, he does. And Jeremy Allen White's got crazy potential too. Well, that we, we already know him. Yeah, I was so bear. excited. Yes. Like he's escalating so quickly in my list of rising actors that I was so excited, but it was a big letdown. And he was so right for this type of role. You know, he doesn't play a nice guy. He doesn't play a charismatic guy. Even though Lip Gallagher's like the best character ever, he's roughened. He plays these characters that life kicks them in the ass. Just like here. This was perfect for him. It just wasn't directed so well. It wasn't written so well. Yeah. For him to transform into what he does. Even that scene where he's, you know, he goes out on his bike and he's you know, we get this beautiful frontal shot and and one of the road and stuff. And it's like really fun. And then it just ends. And then, you know, he wakes up and we see that he's without a leg. It's just like we went from, I mean, I get what happened and some time went by. Of course, it was like a year or two. Right. But that transition was just terrible. I, I don't know how else to say it. I'm not sure how I would have fixed that. Yeah, when that happened, I was a bit surprised that they were... Because I thought he was going to die. I thought he was a goner. So I was surprised that they would kill this character so quickly after we just found out that David died. And then to find out he wasn't dead, just he's missing a whole foot. And that left me a little bit shocked. But my feelings on how on how I felt watching this weren't very cohesive. So I felt the right things, I think. Well, it was a little bit manipulative because he got out of bed. He had those scars on his back and stuff beautifully shot from behind. You know, he's getting ready. And then we see that wide shot of him walking, you know, into the kitchen, real kind of symmetric like, and he's missing a foot. It's really beautifully shot. You know, it's, it's nice. Like, you know, set up for that specific, you know, five seconds of the scene. Because mm-hmm. it lets you kind of linger on it. I mean, that's an important part of feeling. I don't know if anyone knows that, or especially Sean, but <laughs> it's it's like we just have all these pit stops we know we need to hit because we all know the Von Eric story. So we're just, we got to hit it. And then you, you know, you know the rest, you know, kind of thing. And I'm just like, I, I don't know. I wasn't alive. I was only a fan of wrestling from 2005 to 2014. So, like, I'm there's a lot I don't know. So, I, I need a little bit more. Yeah. This kind of makes me really want a Selena-style Netflix show. Yes. Right? The Selena movie with J-Lo is dog shit. Yeah, it's trash. J-Lo's not an actor. <laughs> just not going to go out there and say that. Or a singer. Or a singer. I ain't yo mama. But we saw that Netflix show come out, right? That was awesome. And it's really surprising. It's it's great. It really is just a great show. And I could very easily see this going through that treatment. Six, seven, hour, hour and a half episodes, right? And it easily being one of the best Netflix shows ever made. Yeah. Shot in a similar way. You know, very cinematic. Keep the same actors. Keep the same actors. Yeah, I definitely agree. A miniseries, for sure, would have been awesome. Could be. Still could be. Just pretend this didn't happen. Yeah, there's always another, you know, take, for sure, but... How did you feel about the physical transformations that these actors had to... Well, I know Zac Efron has some history of, like, taking it too far or whatever, (laughs) steroids, whatnot. He's just trying to play the role, right? Yeah. Method acting. It's wild, no doubt. They look like gods, right? They they look totally inhuman. Yes. As wrestlers, a lot of them do. That's also true. I was wondering, is that what Jeremy looks like under his chef outfit? 
you know because i'm thinking do we see his arms in the show i'm not really sure and they'll be i think they'll be filming that this part of the year for 2025 the third season so he's probably still gonna be kind of big so i'm very curious like what's how fast do you transition i have no idea but i do know harris dickinson he's that skinny model from the triangle of sadness oh and so he got pretty jacked too it's it's crazy it's awesome all three of them had to that's crazy it's awesome i mean i i there's no way it's fucking healthy however they did it they there's of course makeup and a little bit of cg here and there making them look perfect and everything that's always an option especially with some talented artists right but the abuse that they they must go through on mm-hmm. their bodies it's i it's unbelievable it's definitely something to admire on one level but but is it too crazy i mean as long as they consent you know they're good yeah <laughs> as long as no one's forcing them they can they can do whatever they want i mean it's i guess it's not too undifferent than you know joaquin phoenix doing the joker yeah in the other direction right yeah i i i mean yeah i've always said how much i just admire that commitment and just how how people really commit to the roles and just the ability to be able to do that to your body that's awesome you know i've been trying to lose weight for the past 10 years (laughs) you know what i'm saying (laughs) so that's awesome and i'm sure that they of course have the means to hire people to guide them through this process in a healthy way or at least in a monitored way that they get checkups they get what they need to get and i know from the little bit of research i did for this movie zach efron talked about how restrictive his diet was and that he just couldn't wait to eat cookies again so that dedication is awesome i think he's notorious for taking it his diet and regimen of exercise and steroids and whatnot is he he takes it into his own hands oh and i i'm pretty sure he has some kind of controversial history of abusing substances and shit yeah i don't know i'm not too sure either but i, I mean know. he can do every once yeah, you know i don't that's, that's also we fine. need to legalize drugs let's just fucking get on with it i don't think we should <laughs> we can all look like zach efron i don't think we should all look like zach oh efron. okay because don't get me wrong i love me jeremy allen white but when you're short you look weird when you're that bulky that's fair so i don't know about that i don't know about that but what about what about the hair oh i love the hair especially on jeremy and harris when you don't have wavy curly hair the mullet oriented thing is funny looking Mm -hmm. zach efron's hair is funny yeah it's super funny i was reading that Zac Efron and Harris Dickinson's hair are wigs, but Jeremy Allen White had to grow his out and get extensions. And I guess he got permanent extensions, not clip-ins, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So they were there while for the whole time he was shooting. So he just talked a little bit about how embarrassing it was to walk around like that. And he had to kind of stuff all his hair in a cab. Oh, and- man, he owns it. Yeah. He owns yeah. it. It, the curly hair, you know, you you can you so can do much better. You yeah, yes, totally agreed. But I I like that. I like I like the wigs they gave them. They just look so goofy, but it fits with the times. I mean, you look at the pictures of the real Von Erich boys. Yeah, and that's what they look like. Yeah. So, I mean, good job. What about the costumes and like the wrestling underwear? I don't know what it's called. Does it have a name? The, the wrestling attire outfits and costumes yeah totally that's what they are that's not nothing special i mean they're awesome they're real performative and they only get more crazy as time goes on okay wrestling outfits are as iconic as characters oh rick flair's you know uh robe his mini robes and his woos <laughs> and his walk it's all a package deal man his hair rick flair's hair yeah man did they do a good job portraying him here? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I'm not familiar with young Ric Flair. I yeah. saw old Ric Flair. They brought him <laughs> back and he wrestled for a year maybe. And they let him win and everything. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's so nice. That's cute. I don't know how I feel about like bringing these old guys back. Because like, it's almost 
It almost feels kind of pity-ish. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't. But we love them, you know? Even I love Ric Flair. I wasn't there in the beginning, but I know we, you know, we collectively love Ric Flair, gotcha. you know, kind of thing. I heard The Rock is making a return. I don't, not that he's, he's, I mean, he's getting old, I guess, but he's not Ric Flair age, but no, all the outfits are great. Totally. The rings are fun. I love the, the imagery of wrestling, the, the arenas and just how performative it all is. You know, it's like boxing, but a little bit crazier. I love it. Does this movie make you want to watch wrestling? It's basically a soap opera with fighting. Not totally unlike anime, <laughs> just in real life. <laughs> and the audience, on some level, helps decide the winner. That's crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't mind watching it, but I feel like if you start watching it, you have to commit, just like a soap opera. Yeah. Just like a... Just like a show, you know, you you have to develop these relationships with these characters and the love for these characters. So that just sounds like a commitment. It is a commitment. It, you have to watch, you know, depending on the time of the week, depending on the the error, right? But Raw, SmackDown, NXT, ECW, right? It's It can be the pay-per-views that happen every month. They're like 60 bucks, too. They're expensive. Oh, man. Well, I think they do the subscription thing like Netflix does now. Oh, okay. yeah, so it's like, all right. There's probably no better time to be a wrestling fan than right now because you can watch all the old shit. Pretty awesome. I missed that. It's definitely a commitment, but you, you know, specifically you and lots of folks out there will never have the same love for people like Batista. All right. Batista's my dude. <laughs> I hope. He gets everything he wants out of the world, right? <laughs> I want him to be in every single M. Night film until further notice. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was, he's, he's always been my dude, my favorite wrestler to this day. I don't think he wrestles anymore, but he's, he's my sports team, you know? And there's something kind of, you know, unlike football where, you know, it's, it's your team. Of course you have your favorite players. You have your favorite wrestlers and they go on and do different things and so there's just a transcended kind of thing that happens there same thing with the rock and you know john cena acts a little bit that's not acting <laughs> i'm just saying he really he, they're just cameos really yeah they're he's, just just cameos. he's fun though he's a fun personality and everything who the rock john cena I was john thinking. cena yeah. okay yeah john cena looks more fun than the rock i'm just gonna <laughs> throw that out there yeah the rock's kind of lame <laughs> Rock, he seems cool, but I don't think he. Seems I don't like cool. his movies. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, I just want to bring up the ending moment for these boys. Not only Kevin's big final ending and the weird, completely tonal changed ending with the dead boys, the dead brothers. I didn't like either of them whatsoever. I think I thought this was. A really bad ending to this movie, especially how strong we came in. So in Zac Efron's scene, you know, he's just sitting there crying, which nothing wrong with that. I kind of I kind of like that. And then the moment gets ruined when these two little kids come up to him and they're just the most awkward kids I've ever seen try to act and say, we cry too, daddy. Like, I didn't like it whatsoever. It was very awkward. It didn't tug at my heartstrings like i wanted it to i should be crying with these three people and i was not i was cringing it should have been a very beautiful moment and i get what sean was trying to do you know symbolize that his brothers are still here with him but symbolizing that through his own kids i don't know it, it was weird it was off it is in line with a lot of you know the rest of the movie in that Sean had no idea how to write these characters. <laughs> he figured out a near-perfect introduction in some ways, right? Especially setting up the situation, not the characters. But he got he threw us in. He got us invested in wrestling into these brothers, right? But the moment he needed to get us invested in character and why we should care, because... Okay, it's based on true story, but that's you can't just have that be your 
reason of why it's manipulative right you need to sell the cinematic experience right and so he lands exactly where he starts to stumble and it is it is just awkward it's very awkward is it because the kids suck no they just didn't earn any of this and the kids don't help they do hurt i don't know what it is about kid actors that just they just suck so many kids suck at acting I don't know what that is. And then they run off and play football and they have, yeah, the brother parallel. Yeah. It's just like, it's so bizarre. It's just not additive to Kevin, you know, ending one chapter and starting another kind of thing. It's, it all of a sudden starts to take its true form of being just generic biopic, fuzzy, Oscar baity nonsense, you know? It's masquerade and this beautiful kind of, so-called A24 aesthetic, neon, very moody feeling, looking, but there's not a lot of mood to these characters, mm -hmm. right? Earth Mama, very fucking moody film, right? G is walking around, brooding, right? Yeah. <laughs> She's a moody girl. Yep. She's trying to get her kids back. Not that every A24 movie needs to be moody, but there is this air and flavor of mood and, and, uh, vibrant kind of color palette right and that needs to be kind of either contrasted or supported by the story and by the end we lose the entirety of why we should care other than that these boys are dying way too early you know it's like that's yeah. it okay and you know but it's already too late we didn't get the relationship we didn't get the trauma we didn't get these negotiations happening in kevin's head it couldn't really offer us anything more other than them running out and playing, to tossing the football around. It's like, well, that sucks, you know? <laughs> and it's, so it's like, it's such a funny thing because there's a lot of really good things happening here. It's just Sean's the problem. The writing's the problem. The direction's the problem. Everything else is working. Dang. Except the mom. Oh, no, I mean, I don't know, actually, because she it might be Sean. Yeah. It's, she gives us so little. <sighs> I hate to say it. I was very much looking forward to this. hate to say it. Yeah, and the whole scene where the dead brothers meet in the afterlife, I know you briefly mentioned it earlier, but why do I care right now? Why do I care that these brothers are here with each other? And then we introduce the oldest brother as a kid. And manipulation that was weird that was just weird and i'm all for manipulation i am the perfect audience but yeah but they need to earn it you know that wasn't that yeah that wasn't earned like I, even your cheesy even your cheesy manipulations i'm all for like that scene and i think this scene was played in the trailer where in the beginning all three brothers kevin david and carrie are fighting three other characters. I don't know if they're brothers too. And they'd have this like almost choreographed routine to like get on the arena, make the same move, make the same whoop ass thing, and then kick ass. I mean, that was, that was so fucking cheesy, but I loved it. That's good stuff. Because it was, you know, brotherhood, whatever. So I'm all for cheese. I'm all for manipulation. But I don't know what happened here at the end. They said... And I mean this in the least disrespectful way possible, but they they said, you remember how our oldest brother, you know, is dead and we never get to see him? Oh, he died at six years old or whatever. It's just like, here he is. Here he is. Here's our <laughs> six-year-old dead brother. It's like, well, that's... <laughs> Let me hug him. <laughs> it's not okay. No, it's not okay. It definitely was not okay. I mean, it's borderline disrespectful all of a sudden to the Von Eriks. We're just going to pull this guy in, this little kid in, and prey upon your... Prey your... upon what? It didn't even get me. It was preying upon, you know, this acknowledgement of terrible things happen to kids, and here's one of those kids where a terrible thing happened to. It's just like, well, that's that doesn't work on me, I guess, you know? <laughs> I want to say that's kind of Oscar Beatty shit. When you can't see through that, where there was no setup, 
Man, if I can see through that, people should be able to see through yeah, that. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see these scores here in a second. Walking into this movie, like before we put it on, I was asking myself, why is this not at the Oscars? You know, it's got super high scores. It seems like the people who hate movies like this one. I'm like, this, you know, well, we'll see this where this takes me. I'm very excited. And then I'm just like, oh, shit. The guys like at the Academy Awards actually <laughs> know a thing or two. Barbie still got nominated, so I don't know. But <laughs> Damn. Barbie's fine. I want that ethereal thing in this movie. I want it in lots of movies. I think that's a very fun thing. And of course we see, you know, his, and of course we see David's ghost, I think on the stairs at some point. Oh yeah. That threw me off. Very interesting moment. Very jarring, you know, it's, but we don't, we don't get this ethereal thing at any other point. And we didn't give the mom anything. Yeah, exactly. Warrant this. Yeah. It's like, she's, if even if you like manifested yourself right in front of her, she wouldn't give a shit. Yeah, like if you would have had this moment with Kevin, I would have gotten that. If Kevin would have felt the presence of his brother. Yeah. But the mom, who the fuck is she? Apparently she just pushed him out. That's it. What is the trauma trapping him in the house? <gasps> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's not it's not good. It's okay and my score will kind of reflect the like level of production and performance we have here, but there's the worst fundamental problem happening, and it's it's Sean. <laughs> Damn, Sean fucked up. Sean fucked up. <sighs> well, all right, man. Well, thank you for watching that movie with me, and thank you for talking about it here today. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Did you uh, do you have a budget guess for me? Yeah, my budget guess is $25 million, just from the caliber of actors we have and the length of the movie. Not too many moving pieces, but enough. I don't know. Yeah, on the cheaper side, but not, you know, horror movie cheap. I yeah, get that. I but get I that. also thought, I also forgot this was an A24 film. So that makes you want to bring it down? So that kind of makes me want to bring it down. But I'm sticking with my $25 million. Yeah, the A24 guys, they know how to stretch that money, don't they? Yes, they do. They're pretty they have good it at figured that. out. They do. What well, says here that it was $15.9 million, so about $16 million. Okay. Not okay. bad. And it went on to make close to $40 million, so it's it's pretty good. Whoa. Good job. Yeah, I also saw in an interview that um, Zac Efron... Have you ever seen that interview? I think it's BuzzFeed that does interviews where people play with puppies and then they ask them questions while they're playing with puppies. Yeah, I've never, I don't know what that is. Oh, okay. Well, I saw an interview with Zach Efron, Jeremy Allen White, and Harris Dickinson, and they were playing with puppies. And then they asked them something about, you know, on set. They were asking them questions about on set. And Jeremy Allen White mentioned that they got fed a lot. So that made me bump up my budget a little too. A24 likes to feed their people. Well, they I guess they probably had to eat a lot and work out a lot and maintain this this physique. Also true. <laughs> you know. Well, it says over here on Letterbox with 342,000, nice sample of folks weighing in at a 4.1. That's, that's way too fucking high. That's too high. Way too high. Oh my god, that that's is way too, too high. high. I'm negotiating this movie in my head between a 2.5 and a 2. Oh. It's, it's got some massive, fundamental, you know, foundational, categorical problems. All right? And it's Sean. <laughs> I know who it is. Uh, usually, we don't know what the problem is, or we don't know what would solve the problem here. This time, <laughs> we know the problem. But yeah, I gave it a three. Am I sticking with my three? I don't know. I don't know. I probably have to think about other films I've given threes to and kind of start going from there. At this moment, I can't really recall what I've given threes to. I think I gave Killers of the Flower Moon. I think I gave that a three. I'm not sure. So I might be bringing this down. I don't know. But I do 
feel like I am a bit biased with our actors here. That's fair. Yeah. Thank you for that. You're welcome. And thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Filmsteins. I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a talk about the Iron Claw. Go check it out. But support A24 in every way we can. They are definitely supporters of, at the very least, interesting movies. Yeah, it's it's a fair watch. Go give it a, a, a shot. Remember, we post every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Patreon at patreon.com slash filmlessteins. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, all the goods. Thank you guys for all your support. Go subscribe. Request a movie. Give a dollar. Give us a dollar so we can go see another movie. <laughs> but until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap for today's episode of The Filmsteins. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on our cinematic journey. We hope you enjoyed the discussion and gained some new insights and perspectives in the world of movies. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, especially Patreon at patreon.com slash and follow us on social media for more film-related content. We love hearing from our listeners, so if you have any feedback, suggestions, movie recommendations, or book recommendations, please feel free to reach out to us. Until next time, keep watching and keep loving the magic of movies. This is The Filmsteins, signing off.